Hey guys, this episode was recorded at the beginning of the pandemic. We were quarantined at home and recorded via video chat. This was before the news of the tragedies happening in our world recently. That is something that I would love to talk to Daquan about. Although he doesn't mention the injustice, he does talk about the mindset behind the actions people do sometimes. A little peek into my journal from May 27, 2020 says, Something needs to be done. We need change. Watching the video of a police officer using unnecessary force and Floyd pleading for air. This makes me sick. How can this kind of behavior happen and there not be justice? We are called to stand up for what is right and to love our neighbors. This quote by Will Smith says, racism is not getting worse. The worse is being filmed. The darkness is brought to light. George Floyd is not the only one. Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor are two of the many recent tragedies. As I feel informed, I feel sad. Then I'm tempted to keep scrolling, but we can't keep scrolling. We weep and we mourn, but that is not enough. It takes a movement to change the world around us. We must not fight racism with more violence. No, we ourselves must be anti-racist, anti-violence. We must take responsibility for the messes that lie before us, the ones we've participated in knowingly and unknowingly. I'm thankful for my friendship with Daquan as he brings a lot of insight to this issue. We are in this together, us against the injustice that lies before us. Together, trying to obtain a mindset more like Christ. A love that breaks through the walls of racism, to recognize the sin within us and be encouraged by the baby steps of growth. We cheer each other on in our fight to flourish in this world we live in. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Daquan. Welcome to the More Than Conquerors podcast. I'm your host, Ashley, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week, we will feature people of many backgrounds with various stories of things they have overcome. They will be people who are family to me, close friends, acquaintances, and even strangers. I hope this podcast will be a source of inspiration, that you are challenged and encouraged to share your own story of triumph. And at the end of each episode, I hope you too realize that you have a story worth sharing. Welcome to another episode of More Than Conquerors. On the show today, we have my friend Daquan. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yo, yo, everybody. I'm Daquan Washington. Uh, I've known Ashley since my junior year of high school. Yeah. I am the author of... The Limitless Mind, The Purpose, Principles, and Power of the Mind, or we talk about the mind of Christ and to help young men and women to be more manly and womanly. (laughs) That's so awesome. And I am just so amazed by all that you've done from then till now. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you even thought about writing a book? Yeah. Well, man, I don't even know where to start, girl. But 
Well, I could, actually, I'll start with, with when I was the way I was raised. So I grew up with my grandpa. My parents had me when they were in high school having a lot of fun. I think they were like around 16 or something. So they had me and they couldn't really take care of me. So like by the time I was around the age of three years old, my mama put secretly tried to put me out there to be adopted, right? This is something that's kind of crazy because my dad and my grandfather both have the same name. I won't say the name, but they have the same name. And so this is the story that my grandpa told me because I was like, Grandpa, can you tell me like what happened to me? Why am I living with you and not my mom and dad? Yeah. So he, he sat me down in the living room and he was like, well, this is what happened. <laughs> so he said that he was just going about his life. And one day he receives a letter in the mail. Right. He doesn't even know that I exist. I've been out there for the last three years <laughs> and he gets this mail or whatever and he reads it. And because it says his name on there, but it's my dad's name, Junior. So my grandpa reads it thinking it's his. And I guess it's like talking about me like, oh, Daquan's doing well, blah, 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 whatever it is. And my grandfather's like, hold on, what's going on here? I don't have a son. And then he realized, oh, my son had a son. Grandpa comes and finds me. And from his words, I was in some place with a bunch of other kids. And he pointed me out amongst everybody else. Mm. People almost forgot who I was. <laughs> my grandpa found me and he said that I was like super quiet and super mellow and chill and whatever. And, but anyways, I grew up with my grandfather pretty much my whole life. I, I always wondered why I called him grandpa. Like I, that's what I, how I, I never said his name. I'd always go, hey, grandpa, grandpa. And I'd hear other people say mom and dad. And over time, I started to realize that as, as a young, at a young age. And I asked my grandfather like, you know, M and my grandpa's girlfriend. I was like, hey, to my grandpa's girlfriend, are you my mom? And she's hmm. like, uh, yeah, yeah. And I pointed at her belly. I remember this. <laughs> I pointed at her belly and I said, I came from here. And she said, yeah. Then I remember when they broke up and I was, it was just my grandfather and I living together. I don't know. I always wondered, like, who am I? So throughout school and stuff, I remember... Uh, I think I was probably like third grade or fourth grade in the past. I remember it was mother's day and everybody's like talking about how great their mama is. And they go up in front of the classroom or whatever. Oh, my mama, she takes me to Disneyland or my mama does this. And I got to, I'm going to, and then we have to write a, a letter to your mama. Hmm. So for me, I'm sitting there looking around. I mean, that was the first time. Cause like when you're a kid, you're still all about having fun and everything. So you're kind of like not really thinking about those super important things in life. But whenever it was brought to my attention and I thought about it, I would get kind of like sad about it and then kind of have this void feeling in my belly. Yeah. And um, so growing up, I always felt lost. Long story short, getting close to high school, a lot of my friends started bringing me to church and stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm hanging out with a lot of the folks and, and I was like, oh man, there's a lot of pretty girls at church. So that was like one of the big time things why I was going. <laughs> but then you go and you hear the word of God and you hear the word of God and you hear a sermon after sermon and you'd be sitting there sometimes. And sometimes the word is like, you know, whatever the pastor, you, you probably had that experience where they're speaking to me. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. And they're like, 
God is your father. He's your real dad. You're not an orphan. I'll hear these things consistently. And eventually it kind of just sunk into me. And to tell you the truth, I'm getting to know my parents today, which is, which is amazing. I had to chase my mom down. She was afraid to meet me. But all that time after coming to Christ, I truly believe that God is my father. Like some people just say it like, God's my father. No, he's my dad. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I'll ask me another question if you want, but. No, that's good. Did you feel like there was some sort of just void in your life, not knowing who your parents were for so long? Yeah, like I said, for a long time, I didn't really think about it. But as it would be brought to my attention or because I, I usually ended up calling other men and women my dad or my father because uh, I just felt good. But I, I guess you can call that the void that I was feeling. But it, I wasn't really aware that I had a void, but it was there. So I just remember in high school, I, I was always asking my grandfather, hey, where is my mom? At? I want to meet her. And no one wanted to tell me where she was. People that I was asking knew, but they didn't want to tell me. I remember I was like around 15, 16 years old. People would message me on Facebook saying, hey, do you want to meet your mom? And I would respond, yes, today. And then they'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll try to arrange things. A year would go by. Do you want to meet your mom? Yes. Where is she? And then one day someone messaged me and I was like, I don't remember who, but I said, look, I want to meet her today. I'm going to meet her at Uptown Bowling Alley. And then they're like, Okay, we'll be there. So I show up to Uptown Bowling. I was 19 years old. I think, yeah, I was 19, I believe. And I showed up to Uptown Bowling Alley, and I waited. And I'm like, I don't know if they're actually going to come or whatever. And I sat around in there. I'm looking around, walking around, getting butterflies on my stomach. I'm just like, I don't know, my head was going crazy, right? Eventually, these people come walking through the door. <laughs> And I see her, and it's funny because her face kind of looks similar to mine, like when she smiles. So I kind of was like, is that her? Yeah, yeah, that, I think that's her. She comes in. I didn't care. I know a lot of people are like, oh, man, you, you should be angry or something or mad or whatever. But I had been following Christ and, and growing in my walk, and there's a lot to that. But at this point in my life, being 19, I was like, dude, I forgive for the past whatever it is i don't even care this is my mom so i, I rushed over there embraced her gave her a big fat juicy hug she started crying i was crying it was a it was a great feeling but even after meeting her for the first time i'm not going to say that i don't think i had a void anymore at this point but i would say that there is like this i really want her to know how much i truly forgive for the past and so I don't have a void anymore, but I just want to see her life change in my, in my father's life. And with, with my dad, at, hold on, let me explain this part. When I met my mom, I remember we sat down, my um, other family members that came with her, they kind of just like left us alone and her and I sat down and people were like, do you want to order any food? We're like, no, we'll just get waters or something because we wanted to be able to sit and talk. Well, we talked. And I kind of told her about my life a little bit. I was like, yeah, I've been with my grandpa, basically, and wondered where you were. <laughs> so she told me a little bit, and she was like, yeah, your, your dad and I, we were just kind of naughty little kids, and we just played around, and then boom, you popped out. And then she was like, I, 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 
she asked me like, like, are you okay with me? Or what do you think about me? She was real scared. I could tell. And I'm like, you're my mom. I love you. And regardless of what happened in the past, I said, if you would have met me anytime sooner, it probably wouldn't have ended well. I told her, I said, I found my true father and that is God the father. I literally told her that, not trying to preach to her or nothing. I said, I've had Christ in my life. If I wouldn't have met Christ, I probably wouldn't have forgave you. I think in her head, even still today, because <laughs> every now and then she'll ask me, like, do you forgive me still? Are you still forgive me for the past? Uh, I got a reminder sometimes. But when God takes away that void of being fatherless and motherless, you no longer see your parents as, I don't, I don't know if this is for all people. I, I know this is how it is for me. But you no longer see your parents as like your parents. You kind of just see them as individual people. Whatever mistakes that they've made, you kind of just are like, well, I mean, everybody's made mistakes. This is kind of just the world that we live in now. That's the way I, I, I see it with my mom. But I forgave her. Then going over to my father, he had been around maybe once a year in my life. He would come around. So there'd be times where he lived with me and my grandfather and my uncle and all three of my brothers. Too much testosterone in one house. I was like, where? I need a sister in here or something. Or like, I don't know. <laughs> it was a bunch of guys in one house. So he had been around once a year. And the earliest memories I can think of when I was a child was there was this guy who came around and he would tickle me and chase me around. And then he'd be gone. He'll come back. He might bring me a gift, tickle me, chase me around, and he's gone. So then I, as I got older, I started to realize, like, oh, this is my dad. We look very similar. And, uh, but the thing is, my family, they didn't really talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, everyone was silent about it. It's just something I had to figure out. And then, but my dad, this was, I think, when I was around 20-something years old, early. My dad came to visit me and my brothers. We were driving to go pick up my brothers. And my dad pulls over a car at some point behind some neighborhood. And he was like, I got to ask you something. I was like, yeah. And he's like, every time we're around, you're like all happy to see me. And you act as if I've never done anything wrong. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, I haven't been there in your life. And I come around like once a year and I just got to think like, do you, are you mad at me? And I said, no. And he, and he's like, do you know anything about your mom? And I said, yeah, I, I, I actually found her. <laughs> and he said, you did. And he's like, does grandpa know? And I'm like, nah. <laughs> and he's like, you met your mom and no one else knows. And I'm like, nah. And he's like, what do you think about us? And I said, dad, I don't, I don't really, th really think anything of you. I, I was like, I understand you probably think that I might be mad at you. My other brothers might be, I don't know for not being there really. But I told him, I said, look, I have found Christ. And if you would have met me anytime sooner, I probably would have been mad. <laughs> but uh, this is a perfect time. And um, he's just like, I don't know, man, it's hard for me to believe that you, you, you forgive me. And I'm like, it could be hard to believe, but it's, it's just true. A few years later, my dad called me and uh he was crying on the phone. This is the first time I ever heard my dad crying. Oh, you know, I can kind of feel it right now. Shoot. Mm -hmm. But anyways, usually the men in my family, they kind of act invincible. Real manly. I've never seen them cry or anything like that. 
but hearing him and like him and his kind of his weakness, he's just like, son. And he always called me son. And uh, before I remember before I used to be irritated when he would call me son. Cause I'm like, yeah, I ain't your son, but I don't feel that way no more. Cause that was kind of like an unforgiveness I had in my heart at that or before that time. But he's just like, son, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry for what I've done and everything. I wish I could make it up to you. I wish I could gain back all those years and, and all these different things. This had gone on for a long time, but I kind of stopped him in the middle at some point. And I just say, Hey dad, look, I feel like I have kind of every right to be angry, but we could start fresh now. I have nothing against you. I told you years ago that I forgave you. I still do. Nothing's changed. I think many times it's hard for the world to believe like when someone truly comes to Christ and they change, it's hard to believe a person can forgive really on any degree. It's different. Forgiveness is different when you know Jesus, right? How do you explain that to someone who isn't a believer, who's not a Christian? Forgiveness? Yeah. I would say forgiveness is, man, how do you even explain forgiveness? I'm talking like real forgiveness. Not the kind of forgiveness where it's like someone took your money and then they give you your money back and now you're okay with them. What if they take your money and they keep your money? Like (laughs) my concept of forgiveness really does come from God. And when I look at what Jesus Christ said, not even just says about forgiveness, but demonstrates whether you believe in Christ or not. For example, he says to forgive People 70 times seven, right? People are like, how many times are you supposed to forgive? Like 70 times seven, not just seven times, 70 times seven. Every time your brother or your sister does something wrong, do you forgive them? Let it go. Move on as if it never even happened, right? And that's what we hear about when you read the Bible or you go to church, this forgiveness thing, like it's unconditional love and all that stuff. Jesus taught us about forgiveness, but then you look at not just what he says, but how he lived that out. The word of God says this man was beaten so badly that he was unrecognizable. I mean, I don't know. You've seen that movie, Passion of the Christ? Yeah. Powerful movie. And these people spitting on him, slapping him in the face, different things like that. And still in the midst of that, still able to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's how I look at forgiveness, where you kind of look at somebody who wrongs you or not even just wronging you, but just in a general sense, if you just feel angry because, I don't know, maybe you don't like the president or something, or uh, you heard about some story on the news of some cop shooting a black guy, and then you want to be angry at the cops or the justice system. Forgiveness is kind of just looking at people in their ignorance and realizing they couldn't help themselves. Even if it's like a murderer, Christ forgave a man named Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul killing all the Christians that he could find. He's like, we're going to just unleash every devil. We're going to kill every Christian that we can find. And then Christ still like, hey, you're persecuting me and able to forgive that man. I agree. I feel like it's being able to let go of things, even if you don't agree with the situation. And I think there's so much truth and so much power just in that mindset of, you know, I'm going to forgive you no matter what wrong you've done to me because I know I'm forgiven for what I've done. So I'm going to now forgive you. Absolutely. There's 
can I tell you a little story that happened yesterday? Yeah. I'm a security guard and I'm like working out front of uh, Wells Fargo, right? You get a lot of crazy people every now and then, you know, they got to put in their two cents because the whole coronavirus thing happening right now. And, you know, everybody got to stand six feet apart. If somebody coughs or sneezes, I got to tell them to leave. Right. So that, that's what that's my job. I got to do that. The, yeah. the people in the bank don't want to do it. So I got it. The bank was closing yesterday. And <laughs> I'm kind of whole, I'm at the end of the line and anybody who tries to get at the end of the line, because the line was outside of the building. I have to tell them, hey, we're closed. I'll be like, why are there still people in line? Though? Well, because they were here before we closed. But anyways, this guy walks up and when I say white, old white man, I just got to say it like that because just the context of the story. This old white guy walks up and he says, uh, hey man, can I, are y'all still open and stuff? And I'm like, oh no, we're not open. And he says, can you just let me in and can you just let me slide? And, and I've been advised, you know, if somebody's dying on the side of the road, anything, don't let them in the line because if I let one person in, the next person's going to come and then we're basically still open. So I have to say no to people, even if they're showing up in a wheelchair handicapped. And I feel bad. I genuinely do. But this guy's like, can you just let me in? And I'm like, sorry, sir, I can't. And he starts getting angry, right? And he's causing a scene. All these people are watching. He flips me off, starts walking off into the parking lot, hops into his car, speeds out of the parking spot. He's rolling down his window. And as he's rolling down his window, I'm kind of knowing in my head that he's about to insult me as he's leaving. He flips me off again, and he says, F-U-N-word. In that moment, I literally felt nothing. All these people looking at me, all these people staring. He starts speeding off in the parking lot. And I kind of chuckled under my breath because I was like, this guy wouldn't have said that if he wasn't in the car. He wouldn't say that to my face. But after he left, I was kind of just like, I don't know, maybe five minutes later, thinking to myself, man, that is a tough life to be angry every day. And I didn't take his words personal. And I actually forgive the man. I, I, I can't even say that. Like, I forgive the man. Like, there was no forgiveness that needed to be done. It's just kind of something I expect at this point. Like, people are ignorant. And they deal with things. And I don't know what his past was. Maybe he's had a bad past with people of my color or he, he can't, it's not just he hates black people. He's just a hate-filled man in general sense. Maybe he expresses it towards African-Americans, but you can't have both love and hatred at the same time. I posted about it and I just said, like, if that man were to come back and apologize, not even apologize, if he said, hey, man, I'm sorry, I, I just said that, you know, I apologize. I would be like, hey, man, want to have a cup of coffee sometime? Literally, legitimately, I would have done that. Even if he would have flipped me off right then and there and said, hey, I'm sorry I flipped you off and called you the N-word. I'd be like, oh, I forgive you, man. Let's go, let's, let's go talk about this, man, over a cup of coffee. Let's have yeah. a therapy session. So forgiveness, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. You have to kind of uh, approach people as if everybody has a story. Everybody has hurt and wrongs that have been done to them and some some people are willing to forgive their past and move on and walk in that forgiveness towards others whereas uh, some people just aren't there yet and so whatever I do whatever you do in the face of those kind of circumstances 
really are such an opportunity to show who Jesus is and show that forgiveness that we've been given. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's kind of jump gears now (laughs) to your book. Tell, tell us about that process. So you are a security guard, but how does one just like <laughs> pivot and now you're an author as well? Right. Yeah. Well, actually, I was that I wrote it last year. I started writing it last year. I always had the idea when I was younger, like, hey, you know, I want to write a book one day because long story short, supposedly... I had a disability, a reading, writing, and a mathematic disability. That's what they said. That's what the experts said, right? Y'all want to say I got some problems? You just watch when I'm an author one day. Just watch. (laughs) (laughs) So I started writing it last year. I was working, doing security for a different company. And um, they started laying off a bunch of people. The the place that I'm not even going to explain all that. There was problems in the company going on not with me but just in general so they had to let let go of people people were losing work losing hours and then time goes on and i'm like what's going on they're like the coin we want to keep you man but this is what the situation is so i was like you know what screw it i had i saved up a ton of money and then i was like i'm gonna quit this job and with for the next three months i'm gonna figure out what i'm gonna write so I get on my laptop and I start typing, typing, typing. And I had already typed out a, a few things before, but I knocked it out in three months. Could have been sooner, but I really wanted to make sure I was, my ideas were firm. But um, I, I wrote because my idea is like, I believe every, every person's going to die one day unless the rapture happens or something. And I'm like, if I die, I want to make sure my thoughts are down on paper because, you know, I, I, I do believe that. And I highly suggest you do this as well. Like if you feel like you got good advice you want to give to people, write it down. Cause from my research, I have come to people are more likely to believe you if it's written. I don't know what the science is behind that, but I'm like, well, you know what? If, it ha- if it's like one extra step closer to helping people get closer to God or lead them in the right direction, because I don't think that everything I wrote about is all the truth. Like my, my ideas could be wrong. I don't know. But I do believe that as believers, we're supposed to lead people to the truth. That's, that's Christ. And he'll handle the rest. But um, so this is my attempt to try to like do what's right, help people find the right thing. But anyways, what the book is about it's about the mind. It's about mindset. I read in 2018, I made this commitment. Like I'm going to try to read a book a month. And I read a lot of self-development books and books on mindset and business and marketing and stuff. But I realized like a lot of books on mindset, they take principles straight out of the Bible and then they put it in their own words, but like leave God out of it. If that makes sense. I don't know. You'll hear about in the Bible and Proverbs as a man, thinketh so is he as a man thinks in his heart that's how he is in reality right i don't you ever heard of the secret Mm -mm. okay maybe some of your audience might heard of it but there is this movie called the secret and a lot of entrepreneurs are really into this movie uh because it's all about mindset have you ever heard of law of attraction Mm -hmm. okay 
So people preach about this law of attraction thing, kind of like if you think of what you want, it kind of, the universe will kind of just make it happen and it'll just come to you. Uh, uh, to some extent, yeah. <laughs> well, the word of God, people don't realize it, but I think that the whole thing talks about mindset. You even look into the word repent. You'll hear a lot of people say, repent, repent. When you say that word, it sounds religious when you're saying it in Old English, right? Like in the King James, you say, if you say anything in Old English, like thou shalt not commit adultery, you sound too religious, man. Just say, stop having sex before you're married. <laughs> Just say it like that because then people won't really, I don't know, I feel like they'll respect you more. So I try to take those godly principles out of the Bible and put it in a way that the average person would understand without having to like stumble across it throughout their life. Or So I take the word like repent, which you go on blueletterbible.org and look at it and the Greek and repent means to change your way of thinking. Hebrew, it means to do a 180 degree, you know, turn from your sins. Obviously you got to turn from your sin, but also within that word repent, I believe you got to change your way of thinking. You'll see another verse in the Bible where it's, is to renew the mind you know you can come to christ you can get saved all day but your mind's still messed up and everything because of the trauma that you've gone through in your life uh people that you've told the lack of parenting um, bad influence throughout your whole life and your mind gets messed up you smoke pot you get drunk you i don't know do some bad things and your your brain gets all messed up hmm. and the whole point with with god is like you know he wants to bring you back but not just for you to come back and be saved till one day you die to go to heaven i truly believe this i don't know if you believe this or not i'm just saying what i believe i truly believe that we can experience heaven on earth right now we don't have to wait till we die to go there now obviously we still live in a world where there's wars happening people get sickness covid19 all this other stuff right but I truly, truly believe that it is possible that even in the midst of chaos, you can experience heaven on earth. But in order for you to believe that, you got to change your way of thinking. All the ideas that you had about God growing up, everything, even stuff that you've read about or you, you heard your pastor say, I'm just trying to get people to think for themselves, not necessarily to agree with me on I guess you could say what I'm preaching, <laughs> but to more think for yourself to discover the truth. Cause I truly believe like, once you find that it sounds cliche, but when you find the truth, it'll set you free. I, I truly believe that. Yeah, I do too. Like you said, there's a lot of truths found in scripture that people talk about all the time in secular books, but they don't mention the Lord and I feel like it just becomes more accessible at that point. But in reality, your goal of your book is to let people know the Lord more. And like you said, being able to understand the way that you think and your mindset behind things, um, to take every thought captive, to choose to renew your thinking every day towards what Christ wants for you. There's so much power in that. 
Absolutely. And then things like, you know, loving your neighbor, forgiveness will come a little easier because yeah. you've, you've taken the, t- the time to train your brain how to think through these things. Yeah, absolutely. What made you decide to title it Limitless Mind? That's a amazing question. <laughs> I got my friend over here listening. I'm like, wow, that's an amazing question. <laughs> Why would you title it The Limitless Mind? Well, first off, I want to say that if I would have titled it The Mind of Christ, I think that, you know, people who don't believe in God would be like, oh, this is a book about God. Never mind. I don't want to read it. Uh-huh. So it's just like, so I put The Limitless Mind kind of like as an analogy. You want to know something? And this memory. I remember I would, I would get a ride with you going to church. I didn't have a car. And so you would pick me up and bring me to church. And I remember one time I was like kind of, talking to you and I was saying like, Hey, Ashley, I got this idea. I want to make parables. And at that time I'm thinking, I don't even know what I was thinking. I wanted to try to talk to people using parables, but I didn't know what a parable was. So I started looking into it and it's like, you know, metaphors, analogies and stuff like that. You kind of conceal the truth in a story. And so the limitless mind is my way to describe the mind of God, the mind of Christ. Someone once asked me, like, hey, if you had to leave one piece of advice before you die to the world, if this is like your final words, what would you say? First off, I would say, get my book. Then I would say. uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's all in there. It's all in there. That piece of advice that I would give, I would say, hey, read Genesis chapter one and chapter two. The world that God created. You know, it's supposed to be like a perfect world. Literally, that's what it was. It was heaven on earth. And Christ came to restore that. He he says, I came to save that which was lost. And that's what was lost, that heaven on earth, Eden. I truly believe that everything that God is trying to do for mankind is to bring everything back to that. You, You see words like redeem, renew restore it's basically just bringing things back to the original state it was supposed to be in renew the mind bring your mind back to the original state that it was supposed to be in. and that's what i truly think so I, i'm like what was the mindset that adam and eve would have had in a perfect world there was in that world there was no limitations in that world there was no fear anxiety you weren't searching for love in that perfect world you didn't need to build a border around heaven because there were no enemies, right? It's pure love, perfect peace. There was no need for forgiveness because no one did anything wrong. With all that in mind, you basically just become like a child again. And God is your father. You don't cry out to God in hopes that he'll hear your prayer. You just walk with God. He's with you. He's inside of you. He's outside. He's everywhere. You're just with him. You don't got to go and try to read the Bible to, you know, make sure you're saved and everything. Like, it's a perfect world. So when I say limitless mind, I ask people, because people will say, like, I don't know what I was born to do. And I'll ask people, "What what was it that you were created to do before sin entered the world? Right. Before the world started going to hell. Right. Because people would be like, I'm born to be a preacher. Well, yeah. But in that perfect world, there was no need for preaching. Right. 
But we do need preachers today because obviously people are lost, right? If the world was perfect, you had no fears, money, money was no worry to you. What would you do with your life? Some people would say, man, I would want to be the greatest musician in the world, or I want to be a cook, or I don't know, all these amazing things. And I want to make movies and stuff. Like if the world was perfect, that's what I would want to do. But I can't do that today though, because I don't know, the economy and blah, 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 like things, the world's not in that place. I can't do that anymore. And that's when I say you have to literally not just think limitlessly, but I look at the word limitless like it's supposed to be something in our genes and our DNA to be godlike. He, he says he made man in his image. I take that so literal where you have no fears. You know, you're not scared of the devil because you are in the image of God. To have faith in that limitless mindset is to take the first step. To know that, ooh, I, I can do all things. I have purpose. I have breath in my lungs, so therefore I have purpose and I'm created to do something more when you can tap into that sort of power in your life, you really can. You can, right. you can do whatever you set your mind to, right? That's what we've learned our whole life. Hard work pays <laughs> off. So just like tapping into those little kid things that I tell my students all the time, like if we could oh, tap really? into that as adults and have that courage, we can do immeasurably more than we could ever imagine. You want to be a good teacher. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> So your book, I know the title is Limitless Mind. What you are communicating in your book is just for people to kind of tap into that uh, mindset. But there are obstacles to get there. And I know in your book, you kind of talk about other mentalities that kind of get in the way of the limitless mindset. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah. Okay. In the book, I go on to explain different mentalities. And I, I make a kind of a list. I call one like the victim mentality or like slavery mentality, superstitious mentality. These are kind of mentalities that hold you back in life. These are just ways to describe how the mind is outside of the limitless mind or the mind of God. But victim mentality would be one that's like this. Here's kind of an extreme example. You're driving down the road, right? You're going to work, you're speeding down the road. It's, it says to be 25 miles an hour. You can only go 25 miles an hour on this road, but you're going 100. <laughs> They're driving crazy. They get into an accident. They're mad at the other people when they were the one breaking the law. You should have saw me coming. You, why did you turn out the lane when I was coming down 100 miles an hour? The victim mentality is a, is a mindset that you never see your own faults. So there's no room for improvement, no room for growth. And when somebody has this mindset, it is actually impossible for them to change unless they realize I am wrong here or in this area or that area, right? Slavery mentality would be like, I wrote about this for a lot of black folks because um, especially in my own family and other guys that I know. Now, as far as things like racism, sexism, homophobism, Islamophobism, all these different isms, right? In the black community, you always hear racism, racism. And they use that word 
almost as if this is the reason why we struggle in everything. If I don't got a job, it's because of racism. If somebody doesn't like me, it's because of racism. One of my friends, he'll treat other people, not, not just people of other color, even other black folks. He's black himself, but he's just a very disrespectful individual. And this is a guy who I talk to regularly because he wants to improve his life. Sorry, bro, I'm kind of putting you out there. I ain't going to say your name. When it comes to people of other color, when people respond negatively back towards him, he thinks it's because of racism. But if it's someone of the same color, it's like, oh, you know, maybe I am wrong. But it's like, wait, no, no, no. That would be a slavery mentality where you think that someone is being racist when they're not. Or, or let's say, for example, you want to be a guitar player, but, oh, man, people in my family, they've never done it, so I can't do it, right? It reminds me of this picture that I've seen of this horse that's, like, it's strapped onto this little plastic chair, and the horse doesn't move, right? Because in its head, it thinks that it can't move when it can move because hmm. um, it's not tied to a tree or anything. It's just a plastic chair, but it's just mindset. literally kind of reminds me of Israel. Hey, Moses is like, look, God sent me to get y'all out of here out of Egypt, man, we getting out. They start leaving, and then some of them are walking around in the desert. They're free. These are free people now. You can create your own life. You could, you know, build from the ground up. Obviously, you, you got nothing. That kind of sucks, but hey, you, at least you're free. But in their head, it's like, you know what? It's tough out here in the desert. I'm sweating every day. Even though God's providing all my needs, I'd rather go back to Egypt, man, because we're eating better out there. So that'd be slavery mentality. Superstitious mentality would be like, I know you don't see it every day, but I'm trying to help these people that other people don't really recognize. But I see it often. Maybe it's because the Lord leads me to these kinds of people. But I call it a superstitious religious mentality where they think everything good and bad that happens is a result of some sort of spiritual activity happening. So let's say that you eat hot Cheetos, spicy McChicken, and then the next day, your stomach's upset, you sit on the toilet, your butt's on fire, and then you want to blame the devil. Oh, man, my stomach hurts. But you're actually, I'm kind of using that as an analogy. But things that you do, and then the bad things that happen in your future as a result of something that you did in the past, you blame that on the devil. And yeah, I do think that the devil does certain things, right? But there are some things that are just playing out your fault. You We've even... been given the free will to choose. And so yeah. sometimes our choices have consequences. Why is God doing this to me? That's a superstitious mentality. Hmm. Would you say that these mentalities kind of hold people back in life? Absolutely. Anything outside of the limitless mindset, the mind of Christ, is a mindset that will always lead you to destruction depression, suicidal thoughts, addictions, anything outside of the mind of Christ is something that will destroy your life. That's what I write about. So what would you say to someone who picks up your book, reads it, and they're like, man, I want that mindset. I want the limitless mindset. How yeah. do they get that? What are some like practical takeaways or applications that people can do to Absolutely. strive for that? I would say don't put effort into trying to get the mindset. 
I would say go to the manufacturer of the product. If you want an iPhone, go to Apple. Don't order it off of eBay where somebody, it might be a broken phone or something. Go to the source. And I would say that the source is God. He's the manufacturer of your mind. He's the one who knows how the iPhone works. He's the one who knows how the mindset works. So the more you spend time around him, kind of like, for example, when we say like bad company corrupts good morals, you might realize that you are like the people that you hang out with. You end up taking on their habits, talking the same way they talk, making the same jokes that they have, whether good or bad. You'll be like, man, I'm starting to become like this person. It's in the back of your head. So what I'm saying is, hey, the more you can get around the presence of God, make him your friend, make him your God, make him your father, make him Christ your brother, like he says, and be around people that are like-minded. Me and you, Ashley, you know, we might not be perfect and at that level yet, but it's always good to get around people that are striving to better their life. So I can't give you like an exact answer on like, this is the step-by-step process, but I do say, I'm just trying to lead you to the truth. Like, hey, I'm trying to point you to it. But only God, the Holy Spirit, can actually give you the thing that you're looking for. He is the source. He's the one with the limitless mindset. Yeah. Get around him and you'll be like him. Yeah, you're just planting seeds for God to come and make things grow. Yes, absolutely. Analogy. (laughs) What is something that you've overcome in this process of writing your book? One thing is like that I talked about earlier with having no father and mother in your life and stuff. I'll say this one thing right here to all y'all single people out there, male or female, discover yourself, fall in love with who you are, who you were born to be. Don't try to find fulfillment in your boyfriend, your girlfriend, even your spouse, if you're married already, don't try to find fulfillment in anything, in money, in your resources, your nice car, your accomplishments. Even me writing a book, I could kind of get into my head a little bit like, oh man, I wrote a book, right? You know, you got to look fresh still, you know, put on a suit, look, look nice. But even putting on a suit, don't identify with a nice suit. You are your own individual person. Do everything you can to become the best version of who you were born to be. In reality, you already are this person. You just don't know it yet. You got to get rid of the junk that's kind of hopped onto you. You already are great. You already are loved by God. You already have the limitless mindset. In reality, you do. You just got to bring it back, come back home to the father. And that would be my greatest piece of advice. Come back, come home. (laughs) Dang, that's good. I've heard it once before that you've got to become the person that the person you are looking for is looking for. If if I'm single out there and I'm looking for a nice husband, if I am, then I'm going to become the person that he's looking for. I'm going to try to be the best person I can be and present myself in a way that's, I'm so awesome. In the waiting period, you have to like who you are. 
You have to enjoy yourself because God created you unique and loved and beautiful and he's called you to greater things. And so you have to believe that in order to get to your full limitless mindset. Absolutely. Yeah. I like how you started off by overcoming identity, understanding who you are and who you were created to be. Yeah, that was tough. Um, one thing I want to say to like anybody uh, listening, I'm a chill dude, guys. Like, if you ever wanted to just shoot me a message and just be like, "Hey, look, I'm going through some stuff. Talk to me." I was just talking to someone yesterday who I haven't talked to in a while, and just called you literally just to say hi. Hey, how you doing? I um, just want to check up on you. Say hi. That person was going. They started crying on the phone, telling me that they were suicidal. They were mad at me because I hadn't talked to them in a while, but I got everything situated. Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't know that you were going through this stuff. I'm not no therapist or anything. I just want to be your big brother or your little brother. I'm a friend of yours. That's something I just want to throw out there. I'm a friend. I like that. We can give out your information to people too. In the description, we'll add your contact information. How are things going? Before you hop on, how, how, how is the podcast going? They're good. It's good. It's been so fun. I'm able to just carve out time throughout the week to have conversations like this. It's so yeah. life-giving to me. And I just hope that other people see that too when I post, yeah. post the episodes. I'm learning a lot like behind the scenes of how to edit and produce my own podcast. That's quite the journey in itself. But you know, when God gives you these crazy ideas, like writing a book or starting a podcast, it's like, okay, I know it's all you because I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Um, one question that I ask people before we end the show is, what is something you are reading, watching, or loving right now? Wow, that's good. Well, right now, have you ever heard of Ben Shapiro? Mm-mm. Okay, he's a <laughs> he's a Jewish guy. Um, he's like in the politics and stuff. I'm I'm trying to learn about like politics more and everything. And I like to listen to guys that are they believe in the word of God. And obviously he's Jewish, so he don't really follow Christ. But but when it comes to like talking about the economy, he has all the values that I think every believer should have. <laughs> um, so he he's he's really smart, really logical thinker. I'm actually listening to a Donald Trump audiobook right now called Crippled America. Um, I think he made this audio just before he became president. He's pretty good. He kind of just kind of just getting into the mind of our current president. Yeah. This right here would be like this is something this is a guy that I've been listening to since uh, for years since high school. He's dead now. He died in 2014. His name was Dr. Miles Monroe. I, I suggest you check him out. He is, I would say that he is or was the wisest man in the 21st century. If, any, if I was trying to find somebody who was like close to King Solomon, but in the 2000s, and I think I may have found him. He's dead now, but uh, his name is Dr. Miles Monroe. He talks about the kingdom of heaven. He talks about mindset. A lot of the ideas that he had, that he has, I put in my book, but I kind of just threw my little twist on it. I highly recommend. He talks about love. 
marriage, the purpose and power of men, purpose and power of women, um, how to be a father, talks about mindset, business as well. Uh, I recommend that one for you as well, business, whatever. Um, so yeah, Dr. Miles Monroe. Okay, I'll have to check him out. That's awesome. Anything for you? you got any recommendations? What you listening to? What you reading? You read my book? <laughs> <laughs> I need to. I need to get it. <laughs> um, I'm reading this book by Beth Moore right now called Chasing Vines. Um, and it's just about the, the analogy of Jesus being the vine dresser. And, you know, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Apart from the branch, I can do nothing. I cannot bear fruit. And she just really dives deep into that analogy through, like, you know, the conditions of a vineyard and the the slope of the soil and the ingredients in the soil and how like different seasons produce different fruits. And it's just, it's been so good to me and just like in this season of my life and kind of like the waiting season, I feel like I'm in. Um, it's been cool to go back to the source to, to know like who I'm connected to in all things whether I have a job or not, my identity is always in Christ. And it's, I don't know, it's been really refreshing to me. That's amazing. <laughs> I appreciate it. That, did I do all right? That, did, did I do all right? You think I did? You did good. Right. This all is right. good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Ashley. Keep yes. up your good work. Thank you. Thanks for your time today. I, I'm so excited for people to hear your story, your heart behind your book, and just like yeah. get connected to that limitless mind. Well, I appreciate that you're doing like something where you're trying to put the word out there. You're putting God out there. You're trying to, I don't know. I think it'll help also the people that you're interviewing and then your listeners as well. That's amazing. Thank you. I I appreciate your willingness to be on the show. All right. Have a great one. (laughs) You too. Bye-bye. Bye.